0: You're listening to The Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hi there. Hello. How's it going? I am uh, tired today. L- little a little tired? A little tired. Ready for a nap, except that it is eight o'clock in oh. the evening. <laughs> it sure is. So, ready for bed, maybe? I get that. Eventually? Yeah. How are you doing? It's a Monday. It's a Monday.
1: But I was like one of two people who came into the office today, so I was like. I'm going to be so productive. And I was
0: for like half an hour. So. Congratulations. Yeah. I too was productive for 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> out of my whole day. A, that's enough. <laughs> Am I fired? No? Okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah. I, did I get the things done? Kind of.
1: I got everything that had a deadline done. Same. So I'm good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the, the logic La- here life lesson from us <laughs> do the bare minimum. <laughs> do the bare minimum. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I think that explains our like professional history.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, un- regrettably. Well, I've never been fired.
1: Have you ever been fired? No. No.
0: I mean, I've been laid off. That doesn't count. Pew pew pew. No, I've never been fired. No. The pan- the it, no. The panini yeah, does not count. Absolutely
1: no, like job loss during the global pandemic
0: <laughs> counts. No. No, not at all. No, Even wh- if you were fired and not laid off.
1: Yeah, it's been a while it's since we did a COVID update.
0: <laughs> COVID update. It's still bad.
1: Delta variant. Wear your mask. Get your vaccinations, please. Yeah, just just do it. Just do it. People are getting. If f- you
0: can do it.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't know how, it, how things are going in your country. But well, y- but if you live in these <laughs> United States and you're not vaccinated yet, you are a dumb dumb. Go get it done. Get
0: it together. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ask not what your country <laughs> can do for you, but what you, you can do for your country. This is
0: like, the, that's the only time I'm like, yeah, that phrase is applicable.
1: Yeah, go get that excited. <laughs> Cool. Politics aside, welcome to the Teen Wolf Podcast. When is it ever, politics aside? Uh, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is
0: Christian. I'm Julia.
1: And we are getting a little close to the end of season
0: five. Wow. We have two more episodes after this, I think. Uh, yep. Um... Nine and ten of five B. So nineteen and twenty the way that we're counting it.
1: Wow. Wow. Phenomenal. Um, we have a review to
0: read. Oh, yes, we do have a review to read. Love when that
1: happens. Two in a row, you guys. We're feeling so blessed, so loved. If you guys want to leave us a review on iTunes, you guys uh if you leave us five stars and leave us a note, we'll read it out loud, which is always fun for us and for you.
0: Julia. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, so five stars from Amelia Karwacki. Please tell me if that is not how you say your name. I would like to say it properly. Uh, Queens of All Podcasters she says like almost everyone listening I have a ritual after every show I watch and that's to listen to a podcast that is where you lovely ladies come in I'm a 17-year-old obsessed with a show that ended a while ago y'all are mid 20-years who are also obsessed fully relate it's an addicting show shrug emoji anyways Dylan O'Brien is the teen wolf king I mean Ian Bowen is just a king in general but Dylan is 1000% the king anyway so I started watching Spring of Quarantine and safe to say it was hard time like everyone knows and it saved my life anyways you guys seriously just make me so so happy and your friendship is spectacular.
1: Aw. Yeah. Are we bad influences? Every time somebody's like, oh, I'm a teenager, I'm like, what have I said on this podcast that seems like it is bad? Uh
0: we are giving life advice. Oh, I forgot about our life advice book. <laughs> what do we said we were gonna call it? Um I, I don't remember. I don't remember. If you guys
1: ever had titles that you had planned for a book of life advice, please let us know.
0: I think the consensus was that it would be a bad idea. But frankly, I think I'm full of wisdom at my ripe old age of 27.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we We can give advice up to the ages we are. I have yeah. nothing for you if you're like in your 30s you're probably you probably have your life so much more (laughs) figured out than me but I might have advice for high school and you know Amelia I'm really happy you wrote that review it made me smile and we're really thankful that you're listening and and enjoying it
0: um and we're thankful for all the wolf pack yes yes we are I also thank you for saying that we're both in our mid-20s because I'm now decidedly in my late 20s and I'm not handling it very well
1: no 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 I think mid is four to seven
0: really yeah okay so I've got another year in the clear. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Early is, you know, zero to four, three. Okay. And then only the last two years of, of the decade count as your Late 20s. Yeah.
0: All right. I feel better about that now. Mm-hmm. I've weight lifted from my shoulders, proverbially. I
1: can't get any more mid 20s. No. I'm about six months into being 25, so.
0: <laughs> how how you feeling about that? <sighs>
1: Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't, well, 24 just didn't count, so.
0: Yeah, 26 apparently didn't count either, so...
1: So, I think I'm 24. I think you're 26.
0: We'll leave it at that.
1: And that means our life advice has actually regressed in quality (laughs) just by saying that. Um, Do you want to talk about Teen Wolf?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So, this is kind of a special episode of Teen Wolf. Mm. Anytime the aspect ratio changes and the frame rate (laughs) changes, you know Teen Wolf means business. Um, this, I remember being a very hyped episode when it came out. I honestly was pretty tuned out at this point just because I was in college and, like, could not pay attention. Uh, but the return of Crystal Reed, like, really drew
0: a lot of people in. I can see why. I remember watching it for the first time and mostly being very confused because confusion is, like, the dominant emotion that you feel when you watch season five. Um, but I was excited to see her again because it's been a while and she's been... She's been long gone.
1: hmm Yeah. So good good to, good, to see the return of <laughs> Michigan royalty, Crystal Reed. Um, I think we both have, like, oscillating thoughts on this episode. This episode being the Maid of Jevedon,
0: 1518.
1: Yes. 1518. 518. <laughs> wow. Imagine if there was 15 scenes of teen, <laughs> seasons of Teen Wolf. Respectfully, I would tap out. <laughs> Oh, we don't even want there to be a season seven. No. Which I know is a dramatic opinion for us to have, but I think it's done. Unless there was a spinoff.
0: Unless there was a spinoff, yeah. If you didn't catch on to that from previous episodes, we are not part of the season seven crowd in any way.
1: The amount of people so. who just unfollowed us. <laughs> Click. Uh,
0: anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway.
1: Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think it's fun. I think it's, you know, probably the the strongest break of form that we see throughout all of Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a good experiment. Let's do our 60 second recap
0: and then decide whether or not it succeeded. <laughs> okay. I would also like to let everybody know really quickly that this was directed by uh, Joseph Ganier I think this is his only um, episode of Teen Wolf that he directs, but he's well known for being a producer of The Medium. movies in particular cool um and it was written by jeff davis so the guy
1: yeah there were some jeffisms in here i sometimes Mm -hmm. feel like jeff gilds the lily a little bit well sure yeah it just gets a little flowery and like a little like i don't i don't know how well he kills his darlings which is well, that I is a whole
0: other episode of this podcast. I mean,
1: I wouldn't either if I was running the show.
0: <laughs> so they're my darlings, they're it's my, my show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I have to go first, yeah. and I can only assume <laughs> after my previous win that this the, will go real bad.
0: <laughs> well, in fairness, um, I ran out of room with like 10 minutes left in the episode to take my notes. So, um, I don't think I'll do that well either. So, we're just going to do it. We're just going to we're just going to do it and I'm going to give you a minute to okay. recap this episode starting, right? now.
1: Okay, so two French soldiers are running through the rain during the French and Indian War and they go into some house and this lady's like, no, there's a werewolf here and there's British soldiers and the werewolves attack. Um, and then they write this letter to, uh, one of them has written a letter to his sister in France. Gerard is kind of telling this story to Lydia. Uh, Marie-Jean is Crystal Reed. Ha la, la. Uh, Chris tells Lydia that they think that she could be the one to stop the beast after Parrish leaves. Liam is really badly hurt and then Hayden kisses him and it like saves him or something. The French people in the tavern talk about the werewolf attack. Sebastian and Marcel return and Marie Jean is like yay my brother but then also she's like leading the werewolf hunt and she doesn't actually believe it's a werewolf um meanwhile the beast is still running around the school and Lydia uh, asks why Sebastian didn't tell Marie Jean about the werewolf attack and then it's later because she finds out that it was Sebastian after she poisons um everybody in the tavern with uh uh mistletoe because she met this hunter who's like this is actually a werewolf and she's like finds out that it's not marcel it's sebastian meanwhile this is uh the beast is still running through the school and scott is fighting him in the library with like this whole audience and like basically reveals that he's a
0: werewolf to everybody you got really far thanks
1: i kind of like (laughs) decided that i had to tell the french story and then tell the real life story because the oscillation was um no, that makes sense Abundant. to me. Yeah, um, You are free to borrow that tactic. I don't know if it was the right one, but we'll we... see.
0: That's not how I structured my notes. So
1: it wasn't how I structured mine either. And that's <laughs> where I really got lost. <laughs> okay. Just like trying to like fly by the seat of your pants and doing this is not it, you know? And yet I try <laughs> every time. <laughs> we have
0: been doing this for two years as people keep reminding us. And I'm like, you'd think that we'd have a better system <laughs> for the 60 second recap, but it's just chaos. Every time. Well, the
1: funny thing is actually that we never decided, like, maybe we should just write out a summary. No. No. <laughs> no. Please. That would make us seem prepared. <laughs>
0: It's part of the charm. Yes. Uh, and
1: part of your charm is gonna be doing way better than me in sixty second recap. You have a minute on the clock on
0: your mark, it's it. Go. Oh god. So uh, Marcel and Sebastian are fighting in the war and they hear about a demon and wolf, and Gerard starts narrating about the maid of Jevadon whose name Marie Jean. They're back to perish, and he's like, I can't do this, and Christian Gerard are like Lydia, you could stop the beast. Hayden and Styles drag a very wounded Liam into the classroom, and then Hayden kisses him and fixes him. Marie Jean is in the pub hearing rumors about the beast, and then her brother Sebastian returns and uh, she vows to like hunt the beast. Um, Lydia asks Gerard why Sebastian didn't wear. Blah blah blah. She's suspicious of Marcel. They go out hunting the beast, and he eats most of the people. And she meets Henri, and he's like, "I will save you with mountain ash." And this is a werewolf. Malia is looking for Styles and calls Braden in to help. Um, Scott saves some girls, and then he gets like dragged out Lydia figures out that there's something wrong and Jared's like he'll listen to the rest of the story um Marie-Jean goes to Henri and like figures out how to get to the beast um she poisons all the drinks and then realizes that it is Sebastian after Marcel leads her to the cellar with all of the dead people and then she's like I will hunt you until you die but he's like I actually have no remorse whatsoever because I'm a demon and then he taunts her and he's like you won't kill me because we're family and then um they make a silver pike and Scott and the beast are fighting and it's really bad and then um Liam and Malia and Braden to chase it away oh
1: that is it my friend but you got so far <laughs> I'm so impressed do you want to wrap it up for
0: us sure uh let me just see where I left off um it takes Marie-Jean like three years to hunt and kill Sebastian but she ends up getting him with the pike and we learn that it was made of silver wolfsbane and mountain ash and their family blood and that's what finally kills him oh and they make it under a, f- a full moon so it's like every single werewolf tactic that there is um I feel like
1: blood magic
0: is new <laughs> Yes, Um, but very fun. We realized that um, Sebastian became a werewolf because he drank rainwater out of the paw print of a wolf under a a full moon, I guess, which is something that gets mentioned like really early on in Teen Wolf. And I love that concept. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically after Sebastian dies, they erase all memory of him so that he will only be remembered as the beast. Um, And Lydia's like, I can't do this alone because Marie-Jean didn't do it alone. Um, And we realized that Henri is Henri Argent and... Uh, it's the Argent family and that's why Gerard cares. Um, Scott like has the beast scent, and they find Mason's bloody shoes in his car and they have a little confrontation and Liam is like freaking out. And then Corey turns Mason and both of them invisible and steals him away.
1: They like the moose. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Uh huh. Kind of.
0: No, I don't.
1: Oh, well, you know what? Maybe <laughs> we will get it by the end of our discussion. We're going to be talking about Maybe. this episode through the theme of destiny Um, a lot of people, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people think that this story is the like finality of their destiny and are trying to impose it on other people. A lot of people are rejecting their destiny. Um, where would you like to start? Should we start in France? Let's start in France. So Marie-Jean. Allison. Allison. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal Reed. Uh, We just have to say it at the beginning. (laughs) That French accent was just, I don't really understand why they asked her to do it.
0: I I was saying this to you before we started watching, that they should have just let uh, everything that was going on in France be British accents, because like that's what they do in Ever After. That's what they do in like every English-speaking film that is set in France or Italy or whatever. You just get a British person to do it, because it sounds, quote-unquote, foreign.
1: It sounds European, but also... It's English, like
0: yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it like at one point it sounds Jamaican, like it's just
1: and it's it's really also not like on her because it's not like no. Crystal rejoined the cast being like oh I do an amazing French accent. No, um,
0: it was uh, just they threw it at her.
1: Yeah, poor poor planning on the episode's part because no one's accent sounded good. No, yeah. Um, so it's interesting because Marie Jean is sort of. Um, you know, aligned by the destiny to hunt down her brother, not only because of her family, but also because she is the best hunter in the town, you know, and that is part of a legacy that she has fulfilled. And so that is sort of a new des- like a sort of a destiny that is not new to her, but like um, in the beginning of her life. And what's interesting to me is that that destiny then gets passed down through generations and generations and generations. Um, and you know, I can't impose uh, thoughts on a character who is in one episode, but part of me thinks, I
0: don't know if she would want that. No, I think that's a great point. Um, this is an aspect that I think could have been better explored if the entire episode had taken place in France, like in the flashback with Gerard narrating, but he talks about like Marie-Jean being a skeptic um, and not being a believer. And then like she marries Henri who has all of this knowledge um, and she's the first hunter. And it like, I, I think there's this feeling that, you know, if you have that knowledge, you have to pass it down, but also like, not everybody can know about the supernatural so that destiny is kind of forced upon you and upon your uh descendants because you have the knowledge to be able to um stop suffering mm-hmm. which is essentially what the werewolves cause um and so like if if you have that knowledge and you have that power like it's almost an obligation yeah, uh, rather than like some grand glorious destiny. But part of what makes people chosen people is that they're quote unquote special.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is a conversation that happens in Buffy. It happens in Supernatural where it's like, this is my destiny only because if I leave like
0: chaos will ensue, chaos
1: ensues. Like I would rather actually not be in this life at all is often a sentiment. And I think that they're, definitely has to be part of it especially when you start that life and your biggest like (laughs) your biggest obstacle is fratricide yeah um and it's really interesting to me that like the hardest thing that she ever had to do becomes like Gerard's rallying point
0: yeah it's so one of the things I kept thinking while we were watching this is that I would have loved to have not necessarily this flashback episode, but I would have liked to kind of know the story way earlier on because it gives so much more context to why the Argent family is the way that it is. Like we know that it's an ancient family of hunters. We don't know that they are the first family,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, which also seems a little reductionist because it's just, you know, France.
1: Yeah. Well, what I actually think is that they, they have pitched that the Argents were like the OG werewolf Mm -hmm. killers like I think in some point in season um, two, Gerard says something like, "It wasn't the metal that killed the the metal that killed the werewolves, but the family with the with the last oh, name." Oh yeah. So it's not a new concept, but you're right. I think I would be more interested if this had been. I would think I would be more interested if this had been a destiny that was always sort of held over Allison and then assigned to Lydia, which is basically what's happening, way earlier. Like, if something Alison knew that she was going to have to take on and then obviously didn't put after her passing. Um, because that's basically what they're doing. Is they're being like, well, Lydia, buckle up, because you're the only girl we know, I guess. I'm a little... Uh, let's talk about that. Moving away from France, but still in the conversation about the Argents. Why is it Lydia? Is it be- just because she's a banshee? That felt like such a loose argument.
0: I think it's... Um... I think it's because she's a banshee. This is like one of my great frustrations about the whole season in this episode is that I never get any, I, me personally, but the the audience never gets any real clarity on what anyone's objective is um, or why certain people can achieve certain things. Um, We have yet to address what was going on with Lydia in Eichenhaus outside of Eichen House. Um, They don't explain to her why they think she can kill the beast. It's like infuriating. Um,
1: But I do also think that there is an element of like, how, like not giving anybody any credit, but like how, you know, the Argents are clearly desperate to have this destiny fulfilled by someone. And like, it feels like the best surrogate would be Allison's best friend. I wish that that was something explained in the episode. It kind of is when Lydia's like, I'm not Allison, which is like, Mm -hmm. No, we know, but I wish that they had actually placed that role on you a little bit more for us to understand why that was happening.
0: Well, they also could have hearkened back to the idea that like the women of the Argent family are the decision makers and they're the leaders. Although Gerard doesn't really seem to play by that particular role. Um, because you know, we have this episode about my and we have, you know, Alison taking on her role of being like the decision maker, quote unquote. Um, so if they are looking for, um, a female presence to be leading what's left of the Argent, um, hunting family, Kate's not dead. Kate is, but Kate is the problem.
1: (laughs) I feel like Kate would, would pony up to kill the beast. I actually feel like if Kate were here, she would have killed it like weeks ago.
0: (laughs) Probably. Um, no, but I, I, I think that that's part of what's so interesting about this is that like, um, I guess there is, enough reasoning as to why the urgents commit suicide if they have been bitten by the beast but like this just hammers it home Mm -hmm. and it hammers home like the the matrilineal line of the urgent family and so i wish that they had like been able to tie that all together because i think it's there Mm -hmm. um and if you're trying to draw lydia into that at, or maybe it's because she can, like, tap into Allison's, like, spirit or her spirit. That, that would have been baller really if they had cool. explained that. <laughs> Holy shit, it would have been
1: so sad.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh, God. I wish we had been
1: in the writing room for that because, oh, my God, that would have been a really, really interesting thing to extrapolate on. Mm-hmm. Um, back to France a little bit. You know, it's interesting to me that we don't know anything about Henri. Mm-hmm. He sort of just seems there to prop up somebody else's destiny. How does he know all this shit about werewolves?
0: Um, I mean, I think he
1: seems like an occultist. I would have been like, you're, you have something going on. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, she doesn't trust him right away. Like she kind of goes to see that the mistletoe thing, if it's going to work and it does, Mm -hmm. which I think is what leads her to totally trust him. Um, uh, the implication. And I wonder if something was filmed and then cut out about why he knows all of that stuff. More specifically because he's like, Well, oh, I've spent half my life trying to learn everything that I can about these creatures. Why?
1: Yeah. He should have had a big ass scar across his face, and that's all we'd need to know. That was it. That would have solved my whole questioning about him.
0: Yeah. Um, um I, I maybe I mean, perhaps no. No. No.
1: No, he's he's there as a prop for a, a woman's plot line, which I'm all about, actually. Oh, I'm never
0: gonna complain about that. I just think that a little bit more care could have put into Yeah. Um, and, but that, and that's the other problem is that this that France is not the whole episode. So you don't have any time to develop like their relationship to one another. And as much as we wanted to complain, for good reason about the Japanese internment episode, um, like you did kind of see the relationship between Noshiko and what's his name?
1: Reese, Reese, how the hell did I remember that?
0: I'm very impressed. Um, we we saw the relationship between nashiko and Reese. Like it wasn't kind of like a oh, well, okay. I yeah. guess they'll be together. It felt intentional. Um, so
1: Yeah, it's just that that <laughs> intent was having somebody fall in love with their captor, which I'm just not
0: into. <laughs> no, it's bad, but I'm just saying that like I could have had i could have had a, yeah. I had but a that, drop. That more. episode
1: is the most like ready. comparable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Last question about France. Why is Marcel protecting Sebastian? The only answer. He's in
0: love. <laughs> um, that was immediately my thought. He's in love with one of them. He has
1: to be in love with one of them.
0: He's either in love with Sebastian, therefore protecting him, or he's in love with Marie-Jean and doesn't want her to find out because it would break her heart.
1: Yeah. Because that is a lot of bodies to put in a cellar for somebody.
0: Without yeah. you
1: being... Yeah.
0: And again, how does nobody notice that those people are missing. Oh god,
1: Dean Wolf is dumb. Let's get out of France. Um I want to talk about Parrish.
0: Oh, uh, poor guy. <laughs> he puts in his two weeks. He gives up his badge and presumably his gun, but we don't see him put that on the table. Um his uh, little deputy badge.
1: I know. He is somebody who is actively choosing to deny destiny. Mhm. Um which never works.
0: So it never works and I I find it so interesting that time and time again, we have seen that if people are getting hurt by Parrish, it's because they're putting themselves in his way. He's not, um, well, the hellhound is not like seeking out violence against anybody but the beast. Um, but he, he kind of views his role in that, um, as him being culpable for people dying and I totally I get that. Well,
1: yeah, I think he's definitely sees collateral damage as intentional damage, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate because any collateral damage that results is definitely because of the beast and not him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, I'm not trying to like trolley problem this, but like if he doesn't fight, people are just going to die without anyone trying to stop the beast.
0: Yeah, it it doesn't seem like he's totally thinking it through. Um, and again. You know, the Argents put him in that little cryo tube, but there's no clear goal as to what connecting with his supernatural side is going to do for him or what evolving would mean for the two of them. Like, there is clearly a destiny for Parrish with that hellhound, um, but no one's explained it to him, and he is too scared to figure it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think that does speak a little bit to, like, the Argent agenda, Mm. because they seems like they kind of want to put their eggs in the Lydia basket.
0: Yeah. They really do just like, let him go without a fight. Yeah. Or perhaps they have faith that like Paris just won't be able to make that decision. Like his destiny is so pre-written for him. The hellhound will
1: just be like, actually we're staying. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think maybe. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that, like well it just sort of feels like they're not trusting in what would be like the natural progression of this as we've seen foretold in the mural in the basement for some reason who <laughs> painted that i oh my god <laughs> um and then who covered it up i don't know but it really does feel like they're they're trying to like uh, like mimic the situation that they would could have produced if Allison were there which again is so sad um and really interesting but they don't actually like delve into it enough for us to you know do some serious deep talking about it, but it sort of feels like they're letting Paris deny his destiny so that they can fulfill their own.
0: Mm hmm. Well, and that absolutely tracks with everything we know about the Argents but particularly Gerard. And Chris doesn't really seem to have a lot of um, agency in this situation because he doesn't know the story as well as Gerard does. So he doesn't feel like he has enough. Um, information to go off of and he seems to really be buying the idea that Lydia is the right choice
1: yeah yeah and if you believe that and I think that somebody who we don't really get to do enough to like dissection of Chris's grief mostly because we don't dissect anyone's grief in the show what the f um but because he biz- he he licks his wounds in France with Isaac where is he Where is Isaac? Where is Isaac? Where is he? That how great would it have been if Isaac shown up in in the flashback? Yeah, in the flashback. Um, But he's in France. He could have been Henri. No, because then they'd be related. I guess. (laughs) Um,
0: Ew. Could have been Marcel. Okay.
1: Um, (laughs) The shell with shoes on. Um, Where the where the hell was I going with this? (laughs) grief grief yeah we don't dissect anyone's grief in this show and i think that there was a chance to do it in this episode to move a little bit like of course he wants of course he wants some part of allison to still be in this fight with him you know
0: Mm Hmm. yeah it's well the Arg. i mean unless he has another child the argent wine the argent wine the argent line
1: Argent Wines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Argent Wines. Maybe that's his, like, retirement job. It's a retirement Oh, hobby. my God.
1: Imagine him on a vineyard. Full <laughs> Dennis Quaid in the parent draft. <laughs>
0: um, well, the implication is that the Argent Lion is dead. That I, it's gone. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, Gerard might have had siblings. We see a lot of other hunters at the beginning of the series, but we don't know how they're related. So, and we also know that, I, I think it was Chris's brother who killed himself in the motel right? Or was it, or was it, It, he married into the family? No, he didn't. His last name's Arjun. I'm so confused. There, there was an uncle who killed (laughs) themselves and yeah. Somebody's brother killed themselves. Yeah. So like the line is, is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, and for a family who has like traced its destiny from this, um, you know, horrific actual real historical event, probably wasn't a werewolf, but like, you know, that's a, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders um have you
1: said probably wasn't a werewolf because i think we need a little room (laughs) for the imagination no i think you're right but i also think you know moving into lydia's perspective um this doesn't have anything to do with me
0: no (laughs) and not only that but like lydia seems to understand her main takeaway from that story which would not have been my main takeaway um is that marie jean wasn't doing any of that by herself she had help Mm -hmm. from the barkeep, and from Marcel, and from Henri, and like all of the townspeople who agreed to go out and hunt with her, even though they all died. Um, and Lydia understands because she was just saved. And uh, oh, we could talk about her being in Eichenhaus. We could talk about her having just been rescued instead of pretending that it never happened, um, or that it's like been months. It hasn't. I'm
1: just thinking about how if they had gotten Lydia out in one episode. They could have done the beast in the school and the France episode in two separate goes. And yeah, we would have had honestly a more fulfilling end of the season just for the sake of getting more information.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Lydia knows that she, uh, it hasn't fulfilled like any destiny that you could say she's had in the past couple of seasons by herself. It has always been through um, the assistance of the pack. Yeah, and her like yes her own abilities play a part and gerard even says that like marie jean was uh, under underestimated her abilities um or doubted herself and lydia certainly does do that but she seems to be able to understand what chris and um gerard don't which is that she's not that she's nothing without the pack but she is so much stronger than she ever could be without them yeah um that's her destiny it's not being alone
1: well, yeah, I also think that she knows that destiny is neither made nor taken on by any one person, mm-hmm. um, which you know, I guess Marie Jean also understood, and they're sort of connecting through just like
0: decades the space-time of time continuum
1: yes, <laughs> through the spirit world, um, and yeah, it's it's interesting to see to see just how uh, like firm destiny looks to the Argents, and how um, more of a recommendation it looks like to the rest of of the pack. Um, mm-hmm. I a little bit want to talk about Malia. She's not in a huge part of this episode, but frankly, she isn't somebody who is in like full oscillating uh, mode on what her destiny is because she's looking in both directions constantly being like, do I kill my mom? Do I kill the beast? Do I kill my mom? Do I kill the beast? And she's in full kill the beast mode at the moment because shit's hitting the fan. But she is also somebody who's like, I can't do this alone anymore. Like, I think it's really impressive and different from um, what Malia of the past to be like, I now depend on Brayden.
0: Yeah. Malia of the past jumped, would have jumped off the, um, Jeep to go find whatever was making that noise by herself. And Malia of now is like, we need Braden's shotguns. Yeah. All of her shotguns. Um, and she's like, she's looking for styles. She's looking for her person, that guy, that dude,
1: that guy, that styles, you know what, at the end of the day is just some guy, but he is the best some
0: guy he is. Uh, yeah. Malia, um, I I mean, I think Malia feels like she can have it all with the help of her friends.
1: She gets by with a little help from her friends. Pretty much. Werewolves can't get stoned, I don't think, but she would also maybe get high with a little help from her friends.
0: Yeah, they can't do anything fun.
1: God, like, I'm not saying that that's the end all be all, but like, I feel like kind of a formative part of like high school life.
0: For some For some people.
1: Not like smoking not in like, oh, smoking, like, weed, like drinking and stuff. Yeah. 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 Not that we can don't underage there, drinking.
0: No, we certainly, we certainly do don't. not.
1: Back to our self-help book.
0: Don't underage drink.
1: it Without parental supervision.
0: Yes. Asterisk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why do you want a little bit? Because if you're going to drink, I'd, I'd rather you do it in it the house. house.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not saying don't have a glass of wine with dinner, but we are saying don't... Break the law. Yeah.
1: Wait to break the law uh <laughs> till you're in college.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> this books? is why this is why people told us we should not <laughs> no, a a sell
1: help book. book. <laughs> no, well, you know what here. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain <laughs> my reasoning. I think that the way that we handle drinking in this country leads people to be really unprepared for when they go to college, which is why people binge drink and people get really sick and can get really hurt. I agree. I think that if we had like the culture, you know how in Russia they only declared beer and alcohol like in 2011?
0: (laughs) I (laughs) I don't think it should
1: be like that. But I think that like kids should be introduced to like what drinking a beer or having a glass of wine feels like.
0: Oh, when I was, I was in England with like, uh, with my really good friends when I was like 15. I was offered a beer at every restaurant we went to. Yeah. And I did not always say yes, but I had a glass of wine once and I didn't particularly want it because I didn't particularly like it because I was 15. Yeah. But I like I felt trusted by adults. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be.
1: Yeah. Yes. All right. See, I think we looped back around to like good ideas.
0: We made a good point eventually.
1: So it was maybe there all along. Like here's the thing: like our self help book, we just need like a, a an amazing <laughs> editor, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or we could do you know what I think might work for us is the way that um, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett wrote. Um, good omens is they like wrote it out and they mailed it to each other back and forth because they didn't have email. They wrote it in like the nineties, but that would require like so much thinking and pausing and time in between. I think we'd reach a happy medium.
1: Yeah. How did John Green and David Love write Will Grace and Will Grace? I'm
0: assuming email.
1: Yeah. But I think it was just like chapter, 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 chapter. Yeah. So that's how we write the self-help book except we're roommates. (laughs) So like, it's really hard to hide when you are writing. anyway. Um, but yeah it's like I just think it's interesting how Malia has been able to change what she feels like she needs to be doing at living in time I don't think that she feels particularly destined by anything except for maybe having to kill her mom because that this feels like such a like Greek myth type of shit
0: well and she also knows that like that's gonna go down on the full moon and oh is it not the full moon okay great I focus on other things now
1: yeah yeah yes um any thoughts on Scott and Liam how does Liam? Liam should be dying. Yeah. <laughs> but is I, he
0: walking? Uh,
1: yeah. he's. It's really interesting to me because I think that sort of in the terms of destiny, Scott is like, I'm destined to be the last man fighting. Mm-hmm, always. Always. And he's like, I didn't think I was going to win. I just thought I was going to be the last one to do it. And Liam is still his beta. <laughs> so he's not going to let that happen. He's like, that's my dad. So, so back, back off. off. Did I also try to kill him in this library?
0: Maybe. But again, he's
1: my dad, so...
0: Yeah, that poor library.
1: Also, I miss the old library. Like, the the library in Beacon Hills 1.0 in Season 1 and 2 that, like, looks just a lot more like a shitty high school library. I'm like, yeah.
0: Legit cannot remember, but I, I'm sure you're right. Um, yeah, well, also, Liam is experiencing a moment of destiny at the very end of this episode when he realizes that his best friend in the whole entire world is the beast
1: yeah well i that moves into our conversation on mason who Mm -hmm. um is fulfilling the destiny of some (laughs) like 18th century french psychopath which is terrifying he is completely out of control of anything that he could consider his own destiny and he doesn't know you know and it's Corey is so quick to come in and save him because i think Corey looks at scott and liam and is like oh i think they're gonna kill him Mm -hmm. I think that's what they think is the only solution. So it does seem a little bit like, no, let's talk about this, but no, if I were Corey and I, that's what I thought because you just saw them fighting the beast and you keep seeing all of this crazy violence, especially from those two. Bye. Asta la pasta. We're leaving.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I want to take a moment to be like, I think that Dylan Sprayberry is having a really great moment there. Um, face acting wise. Oh good. Like he's, I mean, he is so shocked and he's so upset and he just watched Scott, his dad get the shit pummeled out of him Mm -hmm. and like saved by the bell. Um, and like he is so full of something in that moment. And we never get a chance to see what it would morph into, but everything that we know about Liam, I mean, he might, he might have just snapped. So I, I think you're right that Corey, Corey saw something mm-hmm. in the two of them and was like, well, that's not it. Yep. Um, and, but also I, to your point, you made this point, the, uh, in the last episode, you think that Corey knows that something's wrong. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because he's like hanging out, kind of waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and
1: waiting for that other bloody size 10 shoe to drop. Dunno. Again, uh, everybody <laughs> has more than one pair of shoe. Yeah. And, um, If you don't, uh, send me your Venmo, (laughs) I'll get you a new pair.
0: (laughs) I wish, yeah, I wish that we like knew what the process of unbecoming the beast was like for Mason. I really actually liked, um, when Marie-Jean, like, you know, he gets impaled on the pike and the mist like kind of dissolves around him and he's just a man again. Um, I kind of, I liked that. Um, I, I liked seeing him become undone mm-hmm. and I would like to see that happening to Mason um, and understanding why he doesn't remember things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll have the fugue state with a canima. Yeah. Um. Shall we move into Q's nose? Let's do it. Uh, do you have any
0: questions? No.
1: Girl, me neither. No, I don't, it's not worth my time <laughs> to ask questions about this episode. No. Do you have any observations?
0: yeah um i think that it's really funny that the beast opens the door of the library with his hands like he could have just busted through them but no he just like pushes them open that is the wear part of the wolf i i suppose so um i the oh the wigs in france horrible terrible awful wigs horrific um Ah la 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 la. The yeah, the library, the poor library. Liam, um, it literally looks like Liam's intestines are falling out when they pull him through the doors. I so wrote he's...
1: kissing the pain away type of bullshit because like that word that trope worked once and it was because it was a psychological injury <laughs> and it happened between Styles and Lydia, who at that point like you are so rooting for them even though they're not in any way close to getting together. Mm-hmm. It is so well done. Like I am just like what.
0: He also magically has a new shirt. Like it's just they they're not they're not paying attention. No.
1: And like even injuries that like are, you know, when you're in the f- full pack, like power healing stuff, does it doesn't heal that fast.
0: Um well we uh, I'm thinking about the world's stickiest sex scene right now. The world's stickiest sex scene, the bus episode right before Motel California, which I
1: know that like Scott's not letting himself heal in that episode, but like we but have seen still. so many injuries that just don't recover fast enough yeah especially in this season yeah that was dumb
0: um I think this I think this episode came way too late in the season um and this is not a question that I'm ever going to get an answer to so I'm not going to pose it as a question but I really like um Sebastian is really just like uh I kill children yes and like (laughs) he's so cavalier and he's just like it's just who
1: I am and I was like (laughs) I would appreciate some nuance. Well. Especially since this whole show was set up to pitch nuance of, yeah. If he was just a, well, if he was just a psychopath, I would have liked him to have been a psychopath always.
0: Like, mm-hmm. you know, Peter uh, was, was crazy outside of Alphadome. True. Well, it kind of, it makes me wonder, like, when you get bitten um, by a werewolf, you know, you know who did that to you. Like you can cut, you can trace your werewolf lineage, but he does, he drinks out of the paw print. Mm-hmm. Um, which as I said, I really like as a concept, but like, does that automatically make you evil? I,
1: I don't know. I don't There's, know. No, like he is so like loving in his like love, yeah. in his like his love love letters. Letter. <laughs> his letters. Okay, we do have to talk about how they had a really weird relationship. Like scene one between the two of them, I was like, Folgers Christmas <laughs>
0: commercial. <laughs> a commercial i can't believe you're still talking about when it stops applying to teen wall um if you listener are not chronically online and you have never seen the folgers coffee commercial you just have to google it because google know will know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> there was like an oral history history of it that came out no
1: but their relationship like really did not strike me as brother and sister and the funniest fucking thing is that it like did not have to be a brother sister relationship (laughs) at all in the episode (laughs) it's like written weirdly romantically and it really made me uncomfy
0: i mean look uh fratricide is difficult I've never had to kill my brother, so I don't know. I've thought about <laughs> killing my brother. Um, like I would imagine, it's very, very difficult. So I don't, I don't mind the idea that it's like her family member, you know. And that's part of the reason where he's like, "You won't kill me. We're family." Um, yeah, but, but yeah, it's but like, like literally, there's
1: almost no difference if he was just like, "You won't kill me. You love me."
0: Yeah, um, like their reunion hug is just. So- <laughs>
1: Is like, this is not where I thought the episode was going. Well, sorry, it was weird, and we're pointing it out. That's what we do. Listen,
0: it is not the way I remembered that episode going at no, all. I,
1: I literally did not remember that until I was sitting there being like, did I think this the first time I watched it? What the F is
0: going on? No, that's really terrible. Um we were both like, oh yikes, okay. You're my present this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are some of your other observations? Okay. Okay. At the beginning
1: of the episode, there is this horrible cover of Save Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I have never
0: seen a cover of a song so out of <laughs> And we did just watch Black Widow, so, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, okay.
1: People love putting smells like Teen par- Teen Spirit in things, and like it never really works, but they keep trying. But Save Tonight is like,
0: first of all, just a bad song. No, it's like,
1: well, I have like nostalgic memories of like listening to it on the radio and stuff, but like, the, I was like, what is this? And then it's just <laughs> Safe Tonight. I was like, no, fight the breakup. Don't I know really, it was so bad. <laughs>
0: Like, I can see if you're sitting there thinking, what song should we use to introduce Marie Jean? Like, those maybe lyrics... A French song. Yeah, those lyrics are thematically appropriate, but it's just, if you have ever heard, Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry, <laughs> you immediately... And I did not clock into it at first until you started laughing, and then I was like, oh my, <laughs> oh my god. god. And I think that they maybe... They were like, the lyrics are resonant, like, uh, we you love a good steady drum beat and mm-hmm. there's like a clap in there too. And it's like a low resonant. There's voice. gotta be
1: something else they could have put in there. Too. I bet they lost the rights to something. Literally. <laughs> Although how else. did they, it was some music television, anything else, anything else. Okay. Um, <laughs> the wigs were bad. I had that too. Okay. So there is this one part where in, where it's like a flashback to them being in the cabin that they try to seek refuge in while they're fighting in, in America. Mm-hmm. And uh the like woman who whose cabinet it is has a candle and sebastian blows it out and then his eyes glow and mm-hmm. that looked sick some of the great. production design was okay most of it was just kind of low budget which it's teen wolf i
0: don't care but but god the beast looks even worse in looks france was so worse out of, so much around a place god <laughs> yeah um it, 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 it's like they didn't think about the design at all and you know what i think the worst part about it is it's stupid little nubby ears
1: <laughs> yeah although it may it might look weirder with big ears you know what it looks like a frog <laughs> it looks like an amphibian and that's a problem okay
0: but you know the way that in like the third harry potter movie the way that they like make lupin the werewolf look that is so terrifying and yeah. i really think that that would have been an excellent yes i think that they're like oh we need to make him look menacing it's like it's like so <laughs> okay no, it's like they took it to the, the designer and was with a picture of like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It was like this, but a werewolf. <laughs> that is so mean to the rock. No,
1: but it's like, he's so, he's so like, okay. What if we covered in this episode, uh, <laughs> incestuous undertones, save tonight covers and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know what? Let's move on. Do you have back stats?
0: I do. Um, super minimal this week. We had six eyes no claws no shirts i mean liam is barely wearing one because it's in tatters so one i guess no ads no sirens cool which is great because yeah. people were making really loud noises it's been a weird we day started. in the neighborhood <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have an alpha of the week Crystal Reed. Crystal Reed. Yeah. Not marie I'm talking Crystal Reed. I wonder what the process for approaching her was. Do you think she wanted to come back for an episode? Or do you think they were like, Crystal, please come
0: back? I think they were like, we'd Crystal, we'd really love to do this episode. And it would be really resonant if you were in it. Mm-hmm. Would you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Because they could. I mean, they absolutely could have done it with a different actor. Mm-hmm. It just worked out, I guess. And it was nice.
1: Yeah, it was nice. I just, you know, it's it's cool seeing her. But it's like, I so much would. I want to see Scott see her yeah that's why it would be so again so compelling if there was like a thing where like Lydia could contact Allison why did they never do a seance I think they would pull out a Ouija board once and make a joke out of it but like
0: well her her powers are so ill-defined that we don't know if she could do that but they keep implying that she is way more powerful than we ever know what does that even mean yeah
1: explain come on you guys America, um, explain <laughs> I think that wraps it up after what is um sure to be one of our more chaotic episodes. Uh, if you liked this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you leave us five stars and leave us a review, we read it out loud and then comment on it. You can decide whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> self-help book <laughs> coming soon uh, if you really liked this episode you guys can buy us a coffee ko-fi.com forward slash rewolf or buy one of our stickers those links are both in the bios of all of our socials um twitter is at teenwolf underscore rewolf instagram is the same tumblr teenwolfreewolf, and our facebook group is Rewolf podcast come join them join share the memes hang out with us other than that, um, we might have a varied posti- posting schedule next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys are still catching up on this season, so I think that's okay, but we'll keep you posted, and we hope you have a wolf of a week. Ah, woo!